Salam Salam from BA. This is the Rorschach Ethiopia update from the 17th of March 2022. A quick summary of what's going down in Ethiopia. It's been around three weeks since Russia invaded Ukraine, and the world has turned its head to East Europe. In the midst of this war, many Ethiopians in Ukraine have been forced to flee, mainly to neighboring country Poland. This past week, the Poland embassy in Addis Ababa revealed that more than 70 Ethiopians have managed to get out to the country. The embassy also recalled that there are more than 1,500 Ethiopian students in Poland. Also on foreign affairs, the U.S. congressman Tom Malinowski had introduced back in February a draft bill to support stabilization, peace and democracy in Ethiopia. However, many Ethiopians think that the U.S. is meddling in internal affairs and that it's trying to aid the Tigris People Liberation Front, TPLF. In fact, Ethiopians in New Jersey had a rally outside the congressman's office on Friday the 11th protesting this bill. The bill has provisions to sanction the Ethiopian government until the conflict in the north subsides and the government seeks to negotiate with the TPLF. Ministry of Foreign Affairs spokesperson Ambassador Dina Mufti had his say on these issues. He stressed the strong historical alliance of the two countries and said that this bill will not only affect the long-standing relations of the nations negatively, but it will also impact the livelihood of many Ethiopians. Recall that the U.S. government donates a lot to the country, and it has lots of programs that involve health, employment, entrepreneurship, food, among others, that are very important for many Ethiopians. Back in Ethiopia, a lot of events unfolded this past week. The former patriarch of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, His Holiness Father Mercurius Funeral, was held on Sunday the 13th of March. The day before, the President Sahalewerk Saude and other government officials paid their respects to the deceased at the infamous Mescal Square. The casket returned to the patriarch's residence and after prayers and spiritual processions, it was taken just a few meters south to the Holy Trinity Cathedral where Father Mercurius now rests. Ethiopians had more to be aggrieved about when a video of civilians being set on fire and left to die surfaced on social media on Friday the 11th. The next morning, the government communication service issued a statement saying that this horrendous act took place at the Benchangulkumus region in the Guba district. The government condemned what happened and said it will take action on the perpetrators. A few days later, the Ethiopian Human Rights Commission EHRC revealed that the perpetrators were law enforcement officers. The victims were suspected to have aided a guerrilla group that attacked a civilian vehicle on the 2nd of March. The next day, law enforcement officials had a shootout with a guerrilla group, captured and killed them. The commissioner of the EHRC, Dr. Daniel Bekele, said that what happened was an extrajudicial killing and urged the government to immediately start prosecuting the perpetrators. In other news, the Prosperity Party, which is the ruling party in Ethiopia, had its first congress last weekend. It started on Friday the 11th and ended on Sunday the 13th. Current Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed was elected president of the party. Also, the party elected two vice presidents, which was a bit unconventional. Current Deputy Prime Minister Domeke Mekonan and Adam Farah were the ones chosen for the post. Farah had faced significant opposition because of his alleged involvement in a regional conflict. Part of the reason why the party assembled was because the National Electoral Board obliged 26 political parties, which hadn't yet assembled, to hold a meeting. 
Up until this edition's release, only the Prosperity, Renaissance, Kaffa Green and Gambela's People Liberation Movement parties had held their general assemblies. On Monday the 14th, Addis Ababa's mayor, Adane Chebebe, and the Rhodes City Authority director, Moga Tibebu, signed an agreement to buy 110 buses from Chinese car manufacturer Yutong. He also made a deal with a Chinese tech company called Shinjo Hishense to integrate an intelligent transport system to the city's buses. The city administration funded these deals using a loan of 30 million US dollars obtained from the World Bank. Last week, we told you that the National Bank had imposed a deadline for all the banks in the country to update their clients' information. Even though the deadline has passed, on Friday the 11th of March, due to lots of complaints from customers and banks, the National Bank extended the deadline for two more months. On Monday the 14th, Deputy Minister of Education Samuel Kifley revealed the scores students need to enter public and private universities. He also said that more than 150,000 students who have taken the exam will enroll in government universities. The ministry, however, has been criticized for not taking into account war-torn areas. Alemo Debash, Education Office Director of the Watmera District in the Amhara region, area severely affected by the conflicts in the north, said that the Ministry of Education should revise the scores required to pass for these areas because the students were not able to study for the exam and took it with little to no preparation. As a result, only 30 students out of the 229 who had taken the exam passed. We've got more numbers for you, but this one is from the Ministry of Revenues. On Tuesday the 15th, the ministry revealed how much money it has collected in the past six months. The ministry had plans to collect more than 240 billion baht, which is almost 5 billion US dollars, and fell just a few billion baht short, amounting to about 221 billion baht, or 4.3 billion US dollars. Minister Lake Ayalo said that this was an execution rate of more than 92%, and considering the challenges, the ministry has done a pretty good job. We've got some sports business news for you this week as one of the biggest sports teams in Ethiopia, Ethiopian Coffee Football Club, renewed its partnership with Buna Bank. The first partnership agreement had been signed last year. The bank's general manager, Mulugeta Alemayehu, and the football's club president, Kifley Amare, renewed this partnership. As per the agreement, Buna Bank will pay a total of 5 million baht, or 100,000 US dollars, to the team and the team's fans community through the year. The bank also revealed that it has rebranded, changed the logo and the colors that it used for the past 12 years. The bank's communication director, Abane Habtei, said that this change will create a brand new identity that suits the visions of the bank. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to our ad-free updates, which will continue to be ad-free if you tell your bots. Let us know your thoughts and ideas by emailing us at podcast.rorschach.com. Ciao!